Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, September 25th, and this is your FT News Briefing. WeWork's Adam Newman has been pushed out as chief executive, and the FT's Gideon Rockman offers insight on what's next for Boris Johnson and British politics following yesterday's Supreme Court ruling. But first, Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives have launched impeachment proceedings against President Donald Trump. We'll hear from the FT's U.S. Managing Editor, Peter Spiegel. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The actions of the Trump presidency revealed the dishonorable fact of the president's betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, and betrayal of the integrity of our elections. Therefore, today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. Basically, after three years of resisting any attempt by some of the more liberal members of the Democratic Party to impeach President Trump over his actions in the 2016 election, Nancy Pelosi saying that the recent events, the recent scandal that's come to light about Trump's actions on a phone call with the Ukrainian president, where he appears to have put pressure on this president to investigate Joe Biden's son, that had crossed the line. And then impeachment proceedings are now something that she has to pursue, the House has to pursue. She said it's a violation of his oath of office. You know, it puts U.S. national security at threat. Because remember, Ukraine is actually fighting Russian allied forces in eastern Ukraine, and they were supposed to get aid from the U.S. to help in that, which Donald Trump suspended. So she felt this crossed the line, uh, that she was obligated to start impeachment proceedings. But frankly, her party had changed as well. So, Peter, what exactly is an impeachment inquiry? It, well, it's sort of the first step in a rather long and painful process to actually remove a president. Now, the word impeachment sometimes gets misunderstood to be impeachment is actual the removal. No, impeachment is almost like an indictment. You bring charges against a sitting president or actually, frankly, as any federal office holder. So the proceedings are like the gathering of, of evidence to possibly go to its charges. So she's created this rather odd and, I would argue, unwieldy system where there are going to be six House committees that are actually going to conduct the investigation. She's asked all six of them to sort of coordinate their efforts. At the end of the day, it is the House Judiciary Committee which has the responsibility for bringing impeachment articles against any sitting president. So what we assume is going to happen is all these six will go around, gather their evidence, and then submit their best cases to the House Judiciary Committee. The House Judiciary Committee then decides whether to bring impeachment articles to the floor of the House itself and what charges those might be. Now, the Democrats have a majority in the House. They can do this on a party-line vote. However, it gets much more complicated in the Senate. So the Senate acts as literally judge and jury. The House impeaches, the House charges, the Senate has to convict, uh, and and you need two-thirds of the Senate to convict. That has never happened in American history. Richard Nixon resigned before the impeachment proceedings actually got too far down the line. So no sitting president has actually been removed from office through an impeachment proceeding. Peter, what developments should we be looking out for next when it comes to this story? Well, two things. Donald Trump has promised to release a quote-unquote transcript of the phone call he had with the Ukrainian president. Now, there's a lot of questions of whether a actual transcript exists. There is really no practice in the White House since Nixon taped his own phone calls 40 years ago to tape phone calls. But there's a lot of concern on the Democratic side that this quote-unquote transcript, which Trump is now announced he's going to release, is actually whether it's really a transcript or not. The other thing is this was spurred by a whistleblower complaint. We don't know who this whistleblower is, but we know is... This person comes from the intelligence community. They received a report somehow of this phone conversation and were so alarmed that they triggered a very rarely used procedure in the intelligence community to go directly to the inspector general and saying, hey, you have to inform Congress 
we know something that was so bad that requires urgent action to check the executive brands. We had Nancy Pelosi saying that they want the inspector general to turn over that whistleblower report. I think before the week is out, we will know the contents, A, of the quote-unquote transcript, but B, probably the contents of that whistleblower complaint. WeWork's Adam Newman has been pushed out as chief executive. Sources told the FT that WeWork's 40-year-old co-founder has agreed to cede control of the company. He will no longer hold a majority of voting rights in the group and will become a non-executive chairman. WeWork's board approved the reshuffle yesterday, and in doing so, the company's finance chief, Artie Minson, and vice chair, Sebastian Gunningham, will take over as co-chief executives. This all comes after WeWork's largest outside investor, SoftBank, pressured the company to delay its initial public offering. Investor appetite in new shares was weak, and the valuation of the company looked set to fall about a third of what WeWork was judged to be worth when SoftBank led a fundraising in January. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson flies back to London today, facing calls for his resignation. This comes after Britain's Supreme Court overruled his attempt to stop MPs from debating Brexit yesterday. The FT's chief foreign affairs commentator, Gideon Rockman, reminds us how this all began. Well, it started essentially because when Boris Johnson came in, he and his team, and in particular a key advisor called Dominic Cummings, were looking at ways of trying to break the deadlock over Brexit. And they could see that Parliament had repeatedly voted down Theresa May's deal and that, as they viewed it, was being obstructive. And they also wanted to try new and more radical tactics with the European Union, which would involve threatening to leave the EU without a deal in the hope of forcing some new concessions from the EU. But they were worried that Parliament might undermine them. And so they moved to a very radical, and now it turns out too radical, tactic which was to try to essentially suspend Parliament, or the, in the technical language, prorogue it, during a crucial period in the run-up to October the 31st, when Britain would leave, as they said it, do or die, with or without a deal. And the idea was that Parliament would be out of the way and therefore wouldn't be able to tie Boris Johnson's hands, would give him a free hand to, A, negotiate with the EU, but also just to leave the EU without a deal. This made it to Britain's Supreme Court, and on Tuesday, it ruled 11 to nothing that Mr. Johnson's suspension of Parliament was unlawful. Can you tell us a bit about this judgment? The court judgment is long and, and complex, but essentially, I think they didn't believe that he had the legal right. It's to do with the sovereignty of Parliament and the balance of power between the executive and the Parliament. But I think the other thing was that they also essentially said they did not believe the reasons that the Johnson government had given, because the Johnson government didn't say when they announced proroguing, this is all about Brexit. They essentially, it now appears, I think one can say they lied, which was they said this was about giving enough preparation time for a Queen's speech, for, which is the way that a government sets out its new legislative agenda. That was always a pretty odd justification, even though it was the one that was given to the Queen. And I think that the failure of key people, including the Prime Minister, to offer sworn affidavits, suggested that they might have been nervous about putting their justifications in that form for risk of perjuring themselves. Where do we go from here in terms of Brexit, in terms of Boris Johnson's premiership? Well, it means that Parliament is recalled rather than having to wait for, you know, up to another month before it comes back. 
in some ways it matters less than it might have done because Parliament had already passed this law saying that Johnson could not take the UK out of the EU without a, a deal. But the fact that Parliament is there means that they can hold the executive's feet to the fire throughout this whole Brexit process. What does it mean for Brexit itself? Well, although it's a humiliating blow for a very hardline pro-Brexit government, it doesn't necessarily stop Brexit. In fact, it almost certainly doesn't stop Brexit. Britain has still told the EU that we are going to leave on October the 31st. We may now delay it. That's looking more and more likely that we will have to ask for an extension unless Johnson can pull a deal out of the bag with the EU, and that looks unlikely. Then just suggests that there'll then have to be some further kind of political development in Britain, probably a general election. Gideon, you you mentioned an election. Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn backed off the idea of immediately bringing forward a no-confidence vote. What's the strategy here? The assumption is, unless the Supreme Court ruling has changed people's minds, that they will not want to do that until after they've got the extension to the EU thing, because in a way, they know that's what Boris Johnson wants. Because Johnson's calculation, and he may ultimately emerge triumphant from this, is that when it gets to an election, he'll win. So the Labour Party and the Lib Dems don't want to give him an election before October the 31st, because he could win it and then take us out without a deal. Mr. Johnson is set to make a statement in the House of Commons shortly after he arrives in London today. You can follow along on our live blog, find it at ft.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.